Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Samuel, that's Shmuel Bet. We are at Perak Tet Zion, that is chapter 16. <coughs> we have just read in the um, previous chapter how David and his supporters have ran as refugees from Jerusalem as Avshalom came and took over Jerusalem and took over the palace and now Absalom is trying to establish himself as king, and David is running off into the, into the wilderness. Presumably David's plan at this time, uh, we don't know what it is or if he even has one, but he's going to run off to a place where he can be safe, regroup, and then decide what his next step is going to be. Today we are going to read of events that occurred to David and his entourage as they ran through the desert. Uh, in the next chapter, in 17, we're going to read what Avshalom was doing as he was trying to establish himself as king in Jerusalem. So, David, in verse 1, And David had passed a little bit over the top of the mountain. So now he is no longer uh, 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 visible from the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <coughs> And behold, Siva, who is Narmifi Boshet, who is the, um, who is the uh, assistant or the servant of Mifi Boshet. Mifi Boshet is the remaining son of Saul, who we heard about a couple chapters ago. Likrato was coming to greet him. Siva was coming to greet the entourage of David. <coughs> and with him <coughs> was a Tzemed Chamorim, was a pair of donkeys, Chavushim, <coughs> that were saddled. In other words, they were set and ready for someone to ride. And on top of and also loaded on them was Masayim Lechem, was 200 loaves of bread, Umeyat Simukim, and 100 uh, cakes of, of dried fruit, Umeyat Kayets, also 100 cakes of, uh, uh, of just summer fruit, Venevel Yayin, and a jug of wine, presumably a large jug of wine. So these donkeys were laden with provisions, um, <coughs> presumably to give to the people <coughs> in the entourage or running with David. And the king said these were provisions for people that were traveling on the road. So the king says to Tziva, What is all of this for you, to you? What, what is the stuff that you have? The donkeys are for you, for the house of the king, for people to ride, presumably for the king to ride. And the bread and the fruit is all for the, for the youths, for the men that are accompanying you to eat. And the wine is for those that are thirsty and tired in the in the in the uh, in the wilderness, so you, they should have what to drink. And the king said, And where is um, your king's son? Right, that would be the descendant of Saul, right? And Siva said to the king, he is in Jerusalem, Ki Amar, <coughs> because <coughs> he is saying, Hayom Yashivu Li Yisrael Es Mam Today is the day, now is the time that the house of Israel, the people of Israel, will reestablish the kingdom of my father. So we have Tziva saying here that the, um, <laughs> the house of Saul is looking at this, um, at this uh, rebellion of Avshalom, and this, this, the, the tragedy that's going on with David's household, that David's kingdom is falling apart, 
as an opportunity for the king of Saul to come back to power, for the Saul's household to come back to power. Um, even though it was Avshalom, who's David's son, who's taking over power, um, whenever there's a mess like this, um, everyone sees an opportunity, and maybe they would ally themselves with Avshalom or whatever it is. The bottom line is the old, the old uh, rivalries are coming back. Vayomer HaMelech Letziva, so the king said to Tziva, when he heard, when David heard that, that, uh, that Siva's masters were, were, were working together with the uh, conspirators, with Avshalom, he said to Siva, who was their servant, I am going to give you all of the property that Mephibosheth had. I gave it to him before, I'm giving it now to you. And Siva said, So here is Siva really taking advantage of the situation. He is doing David a favor by bringing these supplies but he's also taking advantage of the situation of the chaos in order for his own personal gain. Ishtachavesi, I bow to you. Um, I have, I, you know, that I bow to you because I have found favor in the eyes of my master, the king. So Tziva is declaring his loyalty, and obviously he has what to gain on this. He's betting that David is going to win in the end, and he'll end up a lot richer. So that was encounter number one, the encounter with Tziva. And when the king was coming to the place of Bachurim, which is a place we've heard before during the fights between David and Saul, and I'm mean, David and uh, Ishbosheth, Saul's son, when there were then there were two kings during those days, the um, the uh, the young men had a fight with each other in the place of Bachurim. From there. A person came who was from the family of Saul, Ushmo Shim'i ben Geira, and his name was Shim'i ben Geira. Shim'i, we also read, is an ancestor of the famous Mordechai of the Purim story. Here, Shim'i is not um, is not being portrayed as a very wonderful character, as we're about to see, but he was from the uh, from the Benj- tribe of Benjamin, which was the tribe from which from which Saul gathered most of his support, and obviously that was his tribe. <coughs> so Yotzei Yatzom Mekalel. So his name was Shimi ben Geira, and he was coming from there, passing by them, and he was cursing them. He was screaming curses towards David and his entourage. <coughs> and he was throwing <coughs> rocks at David. David, and he was throwing rocks at all of David's servants, and all of the men and the strong soldiers, the powerful soldiers, that were standing to David's right and left. So this guy is, is, is uh, brazenly throwing rocks and cursing and screaming and yelling at them. And this is what he was saying as he was cursing him. Get out of here, get out of here, you bloody man, you and you terrible person. Um, calling David a murderer. Now, this murder clearly is re- referencing, he, he's blaming David for the death of Saul's family, which is, uh, which as we know from the true history, is not a legitimate complaint. Saul was not killed and his family was not killed by David, but you can see why uh, Saul's supporters uh, that are still around today at this time um, would blame David for it, but he's also an Ishadamim because everyone knows that he arranged for the death of Uriah. So, so, so he was hitting David where it really hurt. David knew and felt guilty, 
And when someone wants to make fun of somebody, if you pick something that that person really is feels guilty about, then you really hit him hard. May God pay you back for all of the blood of the house of Saul, that you have taken over his kingdom. And may God give the kingdom back to Avshalom, your son. Well, give the kingdom to Avshalom, your son. And um, the reason why you're in such trouble now, the reason why you're wandering as a refugee is because you're a bloody murderer. So as you imagine, this, this, uh, uh, this rage, this, these insults and, and, and pelting stones and making fun and saying such bad things about David in front of his men and his supporters, his, some of his top fighters, um, was, uh, was, something that, um, was something that would very upset David's men. So Vayomer Avishai, so Avishai ben Tzuruya, the son of Tzuruya, Right, so Avishai, as we know, is from the family of Yoav, right? And uh, Avishai has a history of reacting brazenly, of of immediately wanting to avenge the the, the king. He's the, involved in the the murder of Avner Benner. He was involved in, in in other fights before, so he's acting in his own um, in, in his usual way. He says, "Lama yikalel hakelav why should this dead dog, and we, this dead dog uh, was obviously at the time a common way of calling somebody worthless, a useless piece of whatever, the way you would say it today, right? So this, this dead dog, why should he be uh, here cursing us? My master, the king. Now let me go over Vasira to show I will remove his head. And the king, so he wanted to take vengeance right away. And the king said, what does this have to do with me and you, O children of Tsuruya? In other words, you guys, because uh, Yoav, remember Yoav was very, uh, um, was the one who killed, uh, you know, had a, also killed Avner Bener, who they're also constantly um, like warlike, constantly um, quick to anger, quick to lose their temper. Um, what do I, why, you know, you guys, the things you do, you have to think about their consequences. You have to think through everything that you're doing. You can't just get mad at someone and then go cut off his head, right? That's not the way it works. Think about it. He's cursing because God says to curse David. Those curses, he's just a guy. He's just a person. But in truth, those the, we're being humiliated, and David is clearly that the guilt that he has, that he's laden with, the guilt because of what he did. He's thinking to himself, "I can be cursed because I deserve to be cursed. Maybe I am a murderer, and 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 I should take it to heart, right?" But the truth, me Omar Madua came, right? Who would know why you did like this? Why you know why he's acting this way? Why he's doing this? In other words, we have to look at it at a at a much more broad level, right? I'm getting cursed because I deserve it, and and we'll see in a minute. But it's more important than that. If it would have been the right move to kill Shimi, David might have said okay after thinking about it. But after thinking about it, David continued to say further. In verse 11, David said to Abishai and all of his servants, Look at the situation that we're in. My own son, my own son who came out from my own body, he is trying to kill me. 
right? And how much more will, does this now, does this, this Benjaminite, you know, someone who comes from the family of Saul want to kill me? And all he's doing is, he's not coming to kill me, he's not attacking me, he's just cursing me. Right? If my own son is trying to kill me, this guy is better than my own son because he's just cursing me. He's not trying to kill me. How much more so would I expect him to come at me with a sword? In which case, of course, I would tell you to kill him. Leave him alone. Let him curse. Because he's doing it because that's what God wants. <coughs> In other words, David is telling them, I have much bigger fish to fry. <coughs> I don't need to start a fight now. I don't need to start another feud now. <coughs> kill him and bring more enemies from the Benjaminites and make and make more enemies and 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 and, and fan the flames <coughs> I have my son after me we need to ignore this move on figure out how to regroup figure out how to get support in order to gain back the kingdom so David is saying you know after you think about it the smart move to make the right move to make <coughs> is to leave him alone and let him curse and that's where hot-headedness and desire for vengeance could lead to something much worse, as it had done with Avner Bener. <coughs> had they allowed him to make peace, which he was trying to do, there may have been some sort of a peace between Saul and David. But because they were hot-headed, because the Teruya family were hot-headed, that, that opportunity was lost. <coughs> Maybe if God, God will see um, my punishment, he'll see my suffering, and he will um, and he will repay me in uh, with good because of this curses. In other words, with the fact that I'm suffering this, God will treat me well. David is so many times we see this, and one can look at this in a in a spiritual way and say, well, because God will see that I'm suffering, he will therefore do good to me. And on the surface, that's what he's saying. But what David is really saying is, is that if we act wisely, we will get a much better result. This word be'eni is interesting because it's spelled um, ayin <coughs> yud nun, even though, so, uh, or ayin vav nun is how it's spelled, which would mean ba'oni, my suffering, but it's spelled be'eni. Uh, it's interesting because God will see Be'eni is hinting. He will see my wisdom. He will see how I look at things. He will see how I stopped and looked and examined the situation. So while the simple meaning of the word is God will see my suffering and therefore he will do good to me, the underlying meaning that's being hinted at is God will see how I, how I looked at the situation, thought about the situation, did the right thing, and that's why I will get the right result. <laughs> And David and his men continued on the road. And Shimi kept on going alongside the side of the mountain, Umaso, opposite him, who was kept on going and constantly cursing. And he was uh, throwing rocks at him and, and, and at David's entourage <coughs> and throwing dirt at him. And the king and all that were with him um, arrived at their spot where they were going to camp. And they rested there exhausted. And all of the people of Israel that were with him and supporting him entered Jerusalem. And Achitofel, the famous advisor of David, Achitofel, whose, whose advice was considered um, 
he was considered the wisest, the educated one, the one, uh, you know, and he was with Avshalom as an advisor. <coughs> so now we're focusing, we're leaving David and we're going back to the city of Jerusalem, focusing on what's going on there. When Chushai the Arki, this is David's mole, David's plant, his spy, he's going to pose as a supporter of Avshalom while he's really a spy for David, a plant to, to see what's going on, to see what's happening, and to try to mess up things going on. And he's going to play a key role in what will eventually become Avshalom's downfall and David's restoration to the throne. So Chushai Arki came, Rei Ed David, David's friend, came to Avshalom, El Avshalom, Vayomer Chushai El Avshalom, Chushai said to Avshalom, Yechi HaMelech, Yechi HaMelech, Long live the king, long live the king. Note, he never says long live the king Avshalom, he says long live the king, <coughs> which Avshalom, of course, interprets as me, Avshalom. We will see how Chushai Arki plays to Avshalom's narcissism. He knows exactly how this narcissist thinks how Avshalom thinks, and he's going to play to it constantly as he misleads him. So Avshalom said to Chushai, His first reaction is, You're a friend of my father. Is this how you treat your friends? In other words, I'm supposed to trust you, right? You, I'm supposed to trust. You just double-crossed my father. You were his close, close friend. Now you're coming. Why didn't you go with your friend, David? Why are you sitting here with me, calling me the king? So Vayomer Chushai al Avshalom, Chushai said to Avshalom, Lo ki Asher, no, no, I'm not with him. Ki Asher bochar Adonai v'yomazeh, the one who God has chosen and this nation has chosen v'chol ish Yisrael and all the people of Israel. Lo ehayev ito eshev, to him I will be, and it is with him that I will sit. So again, Chushai didn't state who it is that God has chosen because we know that that was obviously David, not Avshalom. But Avshalom will, of course, think that Chushai is speaking about him, right? I'm the one that God chose because, after all, look, I'm in the palace, so God must have chosen me, right? So, therefore, Chushai said, I'm not, I was never loyal to your father. I was loyal to the, the king as chosen. Now that you're the king as chosen, I'm going to be loyal to you. Vihashenis, and furthermore, lemiani avod. To whom should I serve? Halo lefnei beno. Shouldn't I serve David's son? So here you have Hushai already kind of setting up a, a... Remember, there's another clan here. There's the clan of the people of Benjamin that want to restore Saul's family to the throne. So now that it's a mess, they're try, we already start starting to see that. They're, they also want to get in on the action here. So I'm supporting you, Avshalom, right? Halo lefnei beno, because you're his son. So I am supporting David because I'm supporting David's son. You're continuing his, his monarchy. Just like I served your father, so I will serve in front of you. So then he continued. Avshalom said to Achitofel, What should we do now? So Avshalom is here. He took over the palace. He took over Jerusalem. But David still has his strong men. He still has his entourage. He hasn't solidified his kingdom. And here Achitofel gives some advice that's extremely disturbing and extremely difficult to swallow. But Achitofel apparently is thinking that you have to do something, uh, you know, and, and, and the way uh, some of the commentaries I've seen explain it, and, and I really 
like this explanation. You can see the Ral Bag, and um, Malbim explains it this way, that, um, that people are still thinking, they've seen me and my father, Absalom and David, have difficulties together, and then reconcile. So people are still thinking maybe Absalom is really not taking the kingdom away from David. Maybe David will come back. They'll make some sort of a peace. They'll make some sort of a pact, right? Right? How do we do something that makes this irrevocable? That you ha- force the people to choose between me or my father. People should know there is no chance at reconciliation. If you understand it in that way, then this horrific advice we're about to hear from Achitofel will make a little more sense. By Yom Achitofel al Absalom. Achitofel says to Absalom, Bo el pilakshe avicha. You should uh, come to, you should sleep with the concubines of your father. Remember, David left uh, 10 of his concubines, 10 of his wives, right, um, in the palace to, to continue his presence of his family there. David didn't imagine that Absalom was going to do this, but here he's about to. And once you sleep with the concubines, that is an act of such grievousness, such rebellion against your father, that people will understand right away that it's either or. There's no chance at reconciliation. Those concubines that David left here to watch the house, sleep with them. Then all of Israel will definitely hear that you have really made your father upset. You have really stepped out in that direction. And then all of those who are with you will now strengthen and they're going to have to they're going to have to make that decision. We're, they're going to put their swords by their side and say, we're ready to fight for you because they know there's no more chance at peace. Anyone who has that illusion will be disabused of that illusion. So they spread out a, a tent for Avshalom on the roof of the palace. And everyone knew what was going on in that tent. And Avshalom slept with the concubines of his father in the eyes of all of Israel. Presumably, they didn't see the actual act, but they saw the tent and they knew what was going on in that tent. Now, um, uh, we did hear, remember, when Nathan the prophet uh, chastised David about the sin of Bathsheba, he told them, he told David that you will be punished because others will sleep with your wives. And here is the fulfillment of that prophecy and the punishment of David. <coughs> and here this verse is really telling us like, like, like this, this is just awful. I mean, it, it, certainly by today's standards, but by any standards, even the, in the, the standards of, of those times, um, this is just, this is just, this is really this is very hard to swallow and hard to hard to um, get get our grips with and hard to to um, to absorb. So and it says that like how could all of this happen? Partly it's because we're about to re- we're read in verse twenty three the advice of Achitofel is Ka'asheri Shalish Bidvarim was so considered so respected. His advice was so respected it was as good as asking God Himself. If you had an answer from Achitofel, people thought, wow, that Achitofel's answer, his advice, Kain kolatsas Achitofel, gam David gam Avshalom. Any advice Achitofel would give, was whether it was David asking the advice before this rebellion or Avshalom asking the advice now during the rebellion, right? People respected Achitofel's advice as if it came from God himself. This reminds us of many instances in history where we have advisors to the king that take on the spiritual role 
that people follow their advice blindly despite the fact that their advice may be very distant from good advice. Um, but people think that these advisors, for some reason, they gain this mystique and, 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 and people just believe them because they think they have some sort of a handle on the supernatural. But anyone that thinks that they're as good as God is, is uh, problematic to say the least. So this concludes chapter 16. We will continue in chapter 17 uh, in our next podcast discussing the um, uh, Avshalom's uh, next moves as he continues to try to solidify his kingdom uh, and overthrow his father. Thank you so much for studying this chapter together. Looking forward to studying future chapters and, of course, the rest of this beautiful, beautiful book of Shmuel together.